Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business, where I talk with interesting people sharing life and business experiences to entertain, engage, build community, and provide information to help others succeed. If you're interested in learning more about one of our guests or how we are helping business owners generate wealth and build businesses they can sell or succeed at Exit Your Way, you can find more information on our website, ExitYourWay.com, or by contacting me directly, Damon at ExitYourWay.com. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, everyone. Welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pastalka, and I'm excited for our guest today because I've got none other than Phil Johnson from Master of Business Leadership, and we're going to be talking about developing emotional intelligence today. Phil, glad to have you. Uh, thanks, Damon. It's a it's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, I, we're gonna we're gonna dive into something today that I think is very important. And you're gonna you're gonna tell us even more about it. Hopefully, uh, that'll really help. So, Phil, let's let's do this. We always like to start the show off with with letting our guests talk about their background and how they got into what they're doing today. So, share that with us if you can. Sure. Um, so I'm 68 now, and. Uh, I had the good fortune of being born with dyslexia. And uh, back in those days, there was no such thing as dyslexia, ADD, or ADHD. Um, but because my brain doesn't work the way most people's brains work, it forced me to do a lot of what I now refer to as emotional labor. It kind of yanked me out of my comfort zone. Um, and the fear and the anxiety that that created uh, and the emotional labor required to move through that fear um, helped me to develop a greater awareness of what's going on in me and around me. It helped me to develop my uh, my emotional intelligence. So that's the uh, that's the track I've really been on all my life. Okay. So when did you? I mean, what what really triggered it? And you just said. I want to study emotional intelligence. I mean, because because that's I mean, just as a topic, I'm thinking in my mind, how did you just pick that, or did you other things, and then it came in yeah. on this? Yeah, I um, it was it was the death of uh, one month after the death of my mother in December of uh, 1967. In January of 1968, I decided I. Uh, I wanted to do this work before it was even called emotional intelligence. Um, and it really changed my trajectory dramatically in a, in a positive way. Um, and uh, I kind of became this super overachiever. Um, I did well in, in university and and in my corporate career, I spent 20 years in the uh, in the semiconductor industry uh, after studying electrical engineering. I was traveling about 60,000 miles a year throughout North America and the Pacific Rim. And uh, by 1990, I had all the toys. Um, but I was uh, I was disappointed at the quality of leadership 
And uh, generally speaking, then I, I, I kind of forgotten the reason I was doing what I was doing. It goes back to um, the promise I made to myself in, in January, 1968. And I decided to leave corporate America. Uh, I turned down two, uh, two vice presidential roles uh, to begin uh, doing what I've been doing uh, for the last 22 years as, a, as an executive coach. So I've coached um, companies and executives all over the world, helping them to uh, succeed by developing their emotional intelligence. Okay. Help to gener generate about a billion and a half dollars in revenue and uh, help people to, uh, to advance in their careers. Yeah, that's that's a billion with a B, not with an M. That's a that's a yeah, that's a thousand million. Yep, yep, that's awesome. And 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 still, so so for for myself and 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 listeners, what what is emotional intelligence? So we understand what you're talking about here. Yeah, a very simple explanation to a very complicated process is. Um, it's the ability to move outside of your comfort zone through the anxiety that that triggers in us towards um, a desired result we want to achieve. That's how, that's how you develop your emotional intelligence. And can, can, you, can you say that again? You're moving outside of your comfort zone. You have to have any emotions. Let me back up for a second. <clears throat> Whenever we take an action that, moves us outside of our comfort zone um, is a part of our brain, our old lizard brain called the amygdala, that for hundreds of millions of years has been trying to keep us safe and alive by making sure we never leave the comfort of our cave. And if we do, it tries to force us back into our comfort zone by secreting a hormone into our bloodstream called cortisol. And that, um, causes the executive center of our brain to shut off. And we often say and do things we later regret. Uh, psychologists refer to that as an amygdala hijack. Okay. People lash out. Some people run away. Some people freeze like a deer in the headlights. And when that happens in conflict situations, it can cause people to die. <clears throat> and when it happens in business or personal situations, relationships die. We burn trust. So as an analogy, if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet that amygdala response down to change and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that change triggers in us and move through it towards what we're trying to achieve um, as opposed to allowing that fear to, to keep us stuck in our comfort zones. Ah. Great, great. Now I understand a little better. Now I understand a little better because you're trying to, the, the emotional intelligence helps us move through that uncomfortable or outside of our comfort zone because we know that is what we need to do to achieve the goal we're trying to do. And, and the fact of being able to move out of that comfort zone is where you really get benefit from developing your emotional intelligence. Yep. Huh. And it's incredibly, uh, <clears throat> it's incredibly difficult. Um, 
Oh yeah. And, and that's only two, that's only one of three primary sources of resistance we have to change. Uh, and so the development of our emotional intelligence, more and more companies are hiring, developing, and promoting emotional intelligence uh, because they have no choice. They're recognizing they have no choice. We're facing changes increasing at an exponential rate. We're facing a tsunami of change globally. And we have a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. So the only way we can navigate our way through the fear and anxiety that change triggers in us, all of us, is the development of our emotional intelligence. And if you want, I don't know if this is getting us off topic or not, but I can give you an example of a company that's currently doing over a trillion dollars a year in sales. That's a thousand billion. Um, yeah. And their primary hiring focus is on emotional intelligence. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's something to, to be able to think about what you're doing. You want to know who the company is? Let's hear it. Apple. Yeah. That's was... why when you walk into an Apple store, that energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. They want to try and understand your pain and if possible, offer a solution to your pain. Whether you buy anything or not is secondary to their desire to want to serve you. They want you to have a great experience and maybe they'll tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. And if you think about it, that energy is a very different energy from the stores surrounding it. That energy is, is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. And because of the accelerating rate of global change, we're experiencing um, emotional intelligence represents the future of organizational development. It isn't a solution to the tsunami of change we're facing. It's the only solution. Yeah, because it, it does, as you said, change coming faster. We got our old brain trying to protect us, keeping us behind, unless we've developed this emotional intelligence that allows us to move past our comfort. Let me give you another example. According to Gallup, the current level of employee engagement worldwide is around 13%. Low levels of employee engagement are costing the US economy over a trillion dollars a year. And there's almost a one-to-one -one correlation between the level of employee engagement and the level of customer engagement. So if, you're, if your employees don't feel engaged, neither do your customers. And that's a direct reflection of the toxic work environments people are, people are facing because of an unwillingness to change. They don't feel safe. They don't feel safe to take risks. See, if you're not willing to change yourself, which most people aren't um, because of the biological and sociological resistance we have to change, the only alternative we have is to try and use position-based power to control and manipulate others to get them to change because we're unwilling to change. And that's the way we've been operating for a very, very long time. That's why there's such a low level of employee engagement. And that's why over 80% of M&A ventures fail. 
lack of trust. So the development of emotional intelligence is a root cause solution to all drama, chaos, and conflict. And by developing your emotional intelligence, you may want to write this one down. The development of your emotional intelligence will enable you to outcare your competition. And that's what Apple has proven. The development of emotion. If Apple wanted to get into banking and they know nothing about banking, yeah. they'd have 10 million depositors overnight. Even, um, even though people realize but they know if, if Apple decides to get into it, people are going to trust them that they'll figure it out. And because of the accelerating rate of global change, there's something called the trust economy that's developed uh, that's currently estimated at over $10 trillion a year. It's growing much faster than the traditional economy because people can't keep up. They, uh, things are happening so fast that they're being forced mm -hmm. to rely more and more on their network of trusted advisors. So that your, your trustability, your network as an individual organization of people that trust you is the most valuable asset you have. And the key to demonstrating trustability is emotional intelligence. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you make a great point. It, Apple could get into whatever. They could build a car. And there's people will build, they would buy the cars not even knowing the reliability or anything just because it's Apple. Let me give you another piece of information. Um, because humanity has evolved from tribes, from herds, we've had to develop the ability to sense whether somebody's trying to help us or eat us. So that we have these specialized brain cells in our prefrontal cortex, a brain scientist called mirror neurons. You're able to sense, that's why you're able to sense whether somebody's trying to help you or hurt you. That's why when you walk into a room, you're able to sense the energy in the room. That's why when you're having a conversation with somebody, you're able to sense whether they're trying to help you or hurt you. So the point is <clears throat> that you can't fake being authentic. You can't fake being real. So as you develop your emotional intelligence, people become more trusting around you and you become a more inspirational leader. Um, it also raises your level of consciousness about what's going on in you and around you. See, we're only actually conscious about three to five percent of the time. The rest of the time we're relying on our habits to determine our behavior and our results. And so the habits associated with developing your emotional intelligence have been proven to generate both career, personal, and corporate success all over the world. Yeah. Wow. That's it. I, I, when I, when we talked before and now I'm talking again, it's just, it's amazing how you've, um, come, how you've come 
thought this through to the point of what the underlying root cause, right? Because when we when we think about why our brains doing what we do, and then and then into how that translates in us resisting change, having to get outside of our comfort zone, those kind of things, it's it's amazing because we 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 don't we do this, we don't even realize we do it a lot of times. I'm sure. Almost all the time. And um, go ahead. So when you look at emotional intelligence, now you you help people as as we talk the title says developing emotional intelligence. So how do you really begin to develop your emotional intelligence? Great question. And there's only one way to do that. Um, you have to start out. You have to form an emotional connection to a, to the vision of a desired result that motivates you to move outside of your comfort zone in pursuit of that result. Without that, without that emotional connection, you won't be willing to do the emotional labor that the development of emotional intelligence requires. You may want better results than you're currently getting, but yeah. you, won't, you won't get the results uh, you want because your fear is controlling you. Your fear is controlling your behavior. Yeah. So it's always, see, there's only, <clears throat> there's only two sources of motivation that will cause us to leave our comfort zone. One is pain. The other one is passion. And hardly anybody's connected with their passion. So for the most part, the initial motivation for people to do the work that change requires is pain. It's an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting. And that's great because we can take that motivation uh, and create remarkable results. But without that motivation, nothing changes. Yeah. So you're saying in the in the initial onset, you 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 try to use pain to help to to, to start and then passion take oh I just I don't quite Yep. So, yep. The, uh, so the primary first question I ask people uh, is, what do, you, what do you want? See, when somebody tells you what they want, they're also telling you what they don't have. And the bigger the gap between where they are versus where they want to be, the more motivated they are to look for a solution to close that gap. And without that motivation, change is impossible. So you need that motivation. You need that, that drive towards a desired result yeah. to create the change process. And as you're going through it, there's, there's, there's five primary outcomes that come from that. Um, you develop your emotional, you, you begin the process of developing your emotional intelligence. You become a more inspirational leader you raise your level of consciousness about what's going on in you and around you. You become freer from your ego-based fear. And you create career, personal, and corporate success. So all of those are benefits from doing the emotional labor required. That makes and, and as you actually... So as you go through the MBL process, uh, the motivation changes from a motivation based on fear 
to a motivation based on passion. It changes yeah. from trying to get away from something to trying to move towards something. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think ultimately the, the fear part of it has to subside someday because you you're seeing some success in what you're doing and then you realize exactly. and you go yeah it's, it's still uncomfortable but i know i'm exactly. going to exactly. do this because i've seen the results from doing it i know this is going to suck or whatever going to make me feel bad for you know whatever i always and i'm bad i always come i'm not bad but i always like to relate things to to athletics because athletics is so easy you know nobody wants to train for a marathon but to do a marathon you got to train for a marathon you go through hell to train to do something you really want to do and uh yeah huh um, let me give you an example of the difference between intellectual intelligence and emotional intelligence yeah that'd be um, great think of your intellectual intelligence or your ability to do intellectual labor as somebody giving you $10,000 a day for 31 days. So at the end of 31 days, you've got $310,000. Now think of your emotional intelligence as somebody giving you a penny a day that doubles in value. So day one, you've got a penny. Day two, you've got two pennies. Day three, mm -hmm. you've got four pennies. Day 31, you've got $10.7 million. Day 40, you've got over $5 billion. At 50, you've got over 5 trillion. UC Berkeley did a 40-year study comparing intellectual intelligence with emotional intelligence. And they concluded that emotional intelligence was 400% more valuable in predicting success in business and in life than intellectual intelligence. You see, intellectual intelligence is genetic. It's fixed. If you mm -hmm. have a high IQ, your parents had a high IQ, their parents had a high IQ, and you simply inherited those genes. But emotional intelligence is something that anybody can develop. It's not an intellectual process. It's an experiential process. So whereas not everybody can have 160 IQ, everybody can develop their emotional intelligence. And the ROI is massively greater than intellectual intelligence. See, our educational system has failed us and our employment system has failed us because they focus primarily on our ability to do intellectual labor. And they've done little or nothing to develop our emotional intelligence. But because of the tsunami of change we're facing, the development of our emotional intelligence is a must-have skill to be able to navigate our way through the fear and anxiety that change triggers in us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And we have we have a question here too. So I want to get this. Dr. M, should we have a formal defined emotional strategy? evolved and implemented in an organization? That's a good question. There is a, uh, there is a, uh, there is a methodology for organizational change. And there is a methodology for individual change. But you can't have organizational change 
without individual change first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and this gets into a different topic area, well, a related topic area, and it has to do with energy physics, um, which I've been proving over the last 22 years. Uh, but to answer the question briefly, um, the more emotionally intelligent individuals there are in the organization, the less, the less toxicity there is in the organization. And you reach a tipping point where the organization can begin to heal itself. Okay. The, focus, the focus needs to be on, on developing the emotional intelligence. Once about 20 to 25% of the people in the organization um, demonstrate emotional intelligence in their behavior, um, the organization begins to self-correct. And the drama, chaos, and conflict uh, begins to reduce itself. The organization begins to heal itself. There's less, less toxicity. There's higher levels of engagement and trust. Uh, there's actually better results, less effort, more fun. So, um, but you can't change an organization. You can't change the culture without beginning with the individual. Yeah. Yeah. It's I think that's a, a great. It's not a top-down process. It's a bottom-up process. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And this is, this is a great, this is a great, this from Paul Van Meter. A students don't, don't generally go on to be the most successful. Yep. You're right. And that's so true. So true. You ever, know, ever, ever, heard, ever heard the phrase uh, hired for hired for IQ and experience and fired for lack of emotional intelligence? Let me, let nope. me explain. Um, when we get scared, we run to our strength and away from our weakness. Um, so if the way we've been getting brownie points um, in our life is based on our ability to do intellectual labor, it's based on our, our IQ, that's where we run to to try and solve every problem. The old saying, well, all you've got is a hammer. Everything looks like a nail. Yes. So, so, so people typically with high IQs have low levels of emotional intelligence because they haven't done the emotional labor required to develop it. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, it makes, I love makes Yeah. Yeah. And so so as as you come come back here again and in talking about this and we're talking about I, I think it this is so cool though that you've you've taken it down to the point of 20 25% of the people if they're demonstrating reasonably good emotional intelligence it starts to really allow the organization to self heal and do some do some good things. So as you're doing this, then um, when you go into organizations, cause I'm assuming you're coaching individuals, but multiple individuals from an organization, how, what kind of process is this? If we're taking somebody through this, is this is a year long process that you like to in an organization? <laughs> is it, is it a lifelong? Is it something that you start them on a path and it, you kind of have to, I mean, I'm just curious on that. Yeah, the answer to your question, the answer to your questions is yes. 
<laughs> That's what I well, thought, but I wanted. I had to ask. I had to the, ask. Um, the MBL program, the Master of Business Leadership program, is initially a 16-week uh, program. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are organizations and <clears throat> executives I've been working with for over 13 years because the ROI uh, keeps getting greater and greater and greater as you work towards mastery of the habits and micro skills in the program. So the mm -hmm. ROI keeps getting greater and greater. And if, yeah. if, that's, if that's the case, why would you ever want to stop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's again, I take it back, back to athletics, but getting ourselves into shape. You don't want to get into shape and then stop working out. You want to continue to refine and get in a little better shape and a little better shape. See, here, here's the thing. Here's, here's, the, here's the thing to keep in mind as well. Um, when focusing on our physical ability, uh, we're fighting a losing battle. Yes. Because our bodies are wearing out over time. So we're putting in more and more effort for less of a return on investment. The opposite is true in developing our emotional intelligence. Um, the ROI never gets less. The ROI continues to grow exponentially in value. Yeah. So it's the development of your emotional intelligence has the greatest ROI. It's greater than physical labor. It's greater than intellectual labor. It's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's the best investment you can make. Well, and, and I can only imagine uh, that <clears throat> it is because if you get more and more comfortable with embracing where you're going to go and then doing what you need to go there without the hesitation, without the, wow, we can't do it because of that. The better you are and the better you are communicating that and helping everyone feel that way uh, in an organization. It is, it's, it's the it's, way that you can move mountains. It's called enlightenment. Ah. It's um, you're right. It's amazing. It's, Phenomenal. It's incredible. It's interesting. Um, so folks, people, executives that are going through the program, as they're going through the program, they're going, holy crap, this stuff's a, this is amazing. This is remarkable. And I say, yes, I, I agree it is. Um, but is there anything I could have said to you in the beginning that could have prepared you for what you know now? And the answer they always say is no. There's nothing you could have told me that could have prepared me for what I know now. And see, that's the difference between knowing something intellectually and knowing something experientially. There's no book you can read. There's no conversation you can have. There's no video you can watch that's going to develop your emotional intelligence because those are intellectual processes. The development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process. 
It's not an intellectual process. It's what you do, mm -hmm. not what you think. As a matter of fact, what you do will change what you think. See, we're all telling ourselves a story to justify whatever we're doing or not doing. It's called a rational lie. And I have, one of the things I say to people before I start coaching them is I don't care what you think. I only care what you do. Because what you do, <clears throat> what you do will change what you think. <clears throat> what you think today is simply a reflection of what you've been doing or not doing. So if you want better results than you're currently getting, that has to change. Your actions have to change, and that will automatically change the story you're telling yourself. So what's the point in understanding what you think? You have to focus on what you do, and the thinking will automatically adjust. Yeah, that makes, that makes tremendous sense. You have to act your way into better results. Yeah. Not think your way into better results. Yeah, that's a great point. Act your way to better results. Yep. And that requires you to leave your comfort zone and move through the anxiety that creates. You want to know the other two sources of resistance to change? What are they? Uh, one is one of the one is biological as well, the other one is sociological. The other biological source of resistance to have change is our existing habits. Um, see, once we develop a habit, it's a neural network pathway in our brain um, that we develop through our actions. And when we practice something enough, there's a process called automaticity where it converts from being a conscious activity to an unconscious habit. So once we develop a habit, it's there forever. And although we can develop new habits at any age, those new habits are always going to be weaker than our old habits called brain plasticity or neurogenesis because there's a, there's a coding that goes around the neural network pathway called myelin. Uh, it's like an insulation layer. And it's thicker when we're younger than when we're older. So there's going to be an ongoing battle internally within us between our old and new habits for dominance. Even though the new habits can work better, <clears throat> there's going to be that ongoing struggle. Um, so that's the second biological source of resistance we have to change. The third sociological is that people around us don't want us to change. Because if we change and start to get better results, maybe they're going to have to change, and that scares the hell out of them. So the best way to ensure they don't have to change is to make sure we fail. So they can say, look, I told you, now shut up and get your head down and come back into the herd with the rest of us. So even though, and this is really my point, that the development of our emotional intelligence guarantees career, personal, and corporate success. It's harder than hell to do. And if you don't have an emotional connection with a desired result that's greater, that's greater than your fear, you won't be able to do it. You won't be able to do the emotional labor required. I had the very good fortune of being born with dyslexia, but I can tell you, if I hadn't been born with dyslexia, there's very little chance I'd be doing the work I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. So we need yeah. the people I work with have to have an urgent desire for better results than they're currently getting.
that motivates them to be willing to leave their comfort zone. And I can guide them through the process like a Sherpa, but I can't do the work for them. We all yeah. have to do our own emotional labor. Yeah, but you, you make one, one good point. And this is where I think that uh, anything, any change, there has to be desire and enough passion to put in the work. Because you ever hear the old, hear the old saying, uh, and I think this applies to act, I hear this regard to actors a lot. If somebody could talk you out of doing something, let them because it wasn't that important to you, anyhow. See, if you can be talked out of not pursuing your desired result, it simply means that it's not that important to you. Yeah, when you can't be talked out of pursuing a desired result that's the measure of the emotional connection you have to that desired result and that's the fundamental starting point for change yeah that's awesome when you can't be talked out of a desired result yeah let me give you two examples yeah <clears throat> tommy edison invented the light bulb took him 1800 experiments and somebody says, Jesus, Tommy, that's a lot of failure. He says, what do you mean? He says, I just learned 1,799 ways not to make a light bulb. Yeah. See, his focus was always on making a light bulb. And he didn't, he didn't view those 1,799 experiments as failure. He looked at them as information. <clears throat> Same thing as Disney. Disney got turned down by over 2,000 banks before he was actually able to, to generate enough revenue, sorry, to generate enough funding to begin construction of Disney World. <clears throat> and he died before it was completed. And somebody at his funeral said, you know, geez, isn't it too bad Walt never got a chance to see his dream come true? The guy said, well, he did. I mean, if he hadn't already seen it, then we wouldn't be seeing it. See, he had, a, he had an emotional connection to a desired result that motivated him to keep moving forward and keep adjusting his presentation until he was able to get that funding to begin the construction. That's the importance of having that emotional connection that motivates us to leave our comfort zone and keep moving forward. So, so do you think that's the starting point? Now, when you when you say that, now, trying to bring that into to people we see around us today, yep. Yep. do you think like an Elon Musk that just jumps out there and says, listen, we're going to create this company called SpaceX and we're going to figure out how to land rockets mm -hmm. that nobody's never done. And we don't even know how the hell we're going to do it. Is that what, the kind of thing? You, sure. Sure. Elon <clears throat> was one hour away from going bankrupt on Tesla. Yeah. He put his last 20 million bucks into keeping the company afloat. So he was willing to risk everything financially. I mean, he was on, he was on the verge of emotional breakdown. Yep. Um, and it's a pretty, that's a pretty strong emotional connection to a desire. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it is, it really is. 
and and we're not talking about when we talk about things it's, it's not like we, we're, we're talking about bad things it's just when you talk about that desired connection that you need to do what it takes to, to put the work in to do what you need to do it's it, it could be making those last calls taking that risk it could be you know pushing pushing a little bit farther beyond your going could be making muffins yeah could be anything could be drawing with crayons it's it's not what you do it's how you do what you do that's most important it's the degree of consciousness or presence that you demonstrate in the moment because the moment is all that exists. This moment is all that will ever exist. There will never be a future moment. There's no past moment. The only time we can take an action and generate a result is this moment. And how we show up in this moment determines our results. Wow. All there will ever be is this moment. Mm-hmm. And we spend most of our time trying to think, trying to get out of this moment into some magical future moment that we think is better than this moment. So it reduces our consciousness and damages our results yeah. in this moment. Yeah. It's, it's ego based fear. See, your ego, our ego never wants us to be in this moment. It wants us to be focused on some mystical, better future moment or some past moment. And so it's because that's, it's easiest for our ego to use fear to keep us from moving outside of our comfort zone. Being able to be more present in this moment is the key to freedom from fear. It's the key to freedom from ego-based fear. See, our egos want us to feel superior to or inferior to others, but it never wants us to feel equal to others. And all of this, everything we've been talking about, is all related to energy physics. So, so that what that means is that the results of doing this work are guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's like when you flip on a light switch, the light switch doesn't think, well, am I going to turn on? It has to turn on, flow of electrons. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with this. Um, because this is essentially energy physics, you cannot go through this process and do the work required and not succeed. It's impossible. Yeah. But having, having said that, I've outlined how challenging it is. Yeah. Both biologically and sociologically. Yeah. And that's why most people aren't willing to do it. And that's mm-hmm. why we live in the world we live in. Yeah. Well, I mean, Maybe. yeah, you you look at, like you said, biologically, we have our habits that are fighting against us. And then you look at sociologically, 
I mean, how many times you hear about this or you've got an idea that you know is what you should be doing and you talk to somebody say are you sure you're, you know you really you, you really know want, did you, you really get, want to lift your head up yeah yeah you really want to put your hand up <laughs> yeah 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 you really want to do that are you sure you want to do i mean and and they're doing it because like you said they want to the a if it's someone that loves you they may be doing it because they want to protect you and they're there it's using their own uh fears and judgments or against the measuring against that idea they don't have your frame of reference nor do they have the passion to to do what it takes to get there um, nor, nor do they want you to leave them behind yes 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 yeah that, that's something and, and and when you talk about the and and this is something personally i've really come to terms with is living in the present in the present moment experience is experiencing that second that moment giving it your attention and doing it and it is life-changing to understand and do that write this down here's another saying for you for your listeners the person most present is most influential the person most present is most influential Here's another saying, developing your emotional intelligence will enable you to outcare your competition. Yeah. Apple's proved that. Yeah. Works pretty well. Outcaring them. Yep. Yep. Well, and like you said, they've taken it. It's it is, and you see this in people that really have great products and services. Is they care about their their customers' experience, and that they're getting exactly what they need or want in that situation. And and if it's not, it's not. It's but they really want to work on that more than the, the product itself. Yes. Well, let me give you another thing to consider. If somebody doesn't want to work with you, if they don't trust you, they'll find a way not to work with you, even if you have the best technology and the best pricing. Conversely, if they want to work with you, if they trust you, they'll find a way to work with you, even if you don't have the best technology or the best pricing. Mm -hmm. So trustability is the key and the key to trustability is emotional intelligence that is a hundred percent because if they know like and trust you we have these mirror neurons these bullshit meters you can't fake being authentic so as you develop your emotional intelligence, you lower your walls, you become less resistant, judgmental, and attached to outcome, which enables people to trust you, to be inspired by you, to want to be around you. Hmm. It's physics. I know, it's a lot. 
Oh no, I love talking to you about this. And I, I just I'm trying to soak it in and, and try to ask intelligent questions because I because honestly I start to listen and I'm I'm just like my my mind is just trying to to soak it in because it is you you, you talk about these things and you go all the way back to you need enough desire to drive the change to do what you need to do. And you talk about how Apple uses it and you talk about how other people like uh, Elon Musk and, and you know, willing to, to want it so much, they're going to go right to that edge. And, and, and how the other thing you talked about is the, um, the person most present is the most influential. And you, and you go back to situations where you've been in, been in those with rooms of people, and that person you can see that person in the room they're truly listening they're trying to understand what is going on really at a deep level they're not thinking about next week they're not thinking about yesterday they're thinking about today and how am i here and how am i going to be valuable in this situation uh, as valuable as i can be in here pretty cool and, huh yeah yeah Good stuff, man. Phil, I always love talking to you. I love reading reading your stuff because it is so thought provoking. And and you know, I believe hundred percent in the fact that you know your emotional intelligence really does a it it controls how far you're going to go and what you're going to be able to do. And I have one one last quick question though, because we're we're kind of running out of time. But this is this is one that I really think that if we could answer from my mind is why is it especially important now to have more emotional intelligence than any other time with what we've got going on in the economy and COVID, all these other things. Why do you think it's even more important now to understand this and really? Making money is easy. Generating revenue is easy. Career advancement is easy. Success in your business and personal life is easy. There's another big thing going on here. We're at a tipping point as a species on the planet. We're facing, some scientists estimate in this century we could experience roughly the equivalent of 20,000 years worth of change or 200 centuries worth of change. Change is increasing at an exponential rate and we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. We have to change our trajectory dramatically because the way we're living today is unsustainable. There isn't a single other species on the planet that wouldn't be better off if we didn't exist. We are the virus on the planet. In relative terms, we've been on the planet for less than half of one second. And in that time, we've destroyed the climate. We're facing things like CRISPR-Cas9 gene editing technology, AI, other pandemics. But without the development of our emotional intelligence to deal with the fear and anxiety that triggers in us, I don't believe we have a chance of making it out of this century as a species. So, The reason I'm having these conversations, the reason I'm trying to help people understand the value and importance of developing their emotional intelligence and betting on themselves to develop their emotional intelligence is because we're running out of time. 
Yeah. We need to change our trajectory dramatically in the next 10 to 20 years. And without the development of our emotional intelligence, that will be impossible. So you want to make more money? Easy. You want to advance in your career? Easy. Uh, you want to get better personal success? Easy. But there's a whole other bigger reason here why we need to be investing in the development of our emotional intelligence. This is a yeah. problem that's not going to go away unless we change. That's the real underlying motivation I have for doing the work I've been doing. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Because you, you're right. We have to, there are things that we have to change because we're, we're, we're in a lot of ways headed in the wrong directions and, <laughs> It, it and they're not easy conversations and they're not easy changes or easy solutions nope. and uh, but we have it in us if we if we choose to do it and we can't wait see we're we're pretty decent at dealing with chaos once it becomes chaos but it reminds me of a saying mark twain said once before a long time ago he said if the only way mankind can learn is to experience i see no hope for mankind Meaning, if the only way we can learn not to put our hand on the stove is by putting our hand on the stove, that assumes we're going to be around to learn from it. And a lot of the challenges we're facing, you don't get a do-over. you yeah. got to get it right the first time. And that requires a level of emotional intelligence, a level of wisdom that we need to be developing, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Phil. I can't I can't thank you enough for spending time today because it is it is it is great to get to talk to you about emotional intelligence. And I want to I want to make sure that people, if you're listening here, reach out to Phil on LinkedIn, connect with him, check out the Master of Business Leadership. Um, and what's what's your website? Is, is, what's have, your web? Oh, yeah. OK. It's on um, LinkedIn. Yeah, I think they can look at my LinkedIn profile. I think I'm not sure, but I can. If somebody wants to chat with me, uh, I can send you a link to my Zoom calendar and they can Very just good. pick a day at a time and jump on there. Very good. They'll reach out to you on LinkedIn and find it. But Phil, thanks so much for stopping by and talking about emotional intelligence. I think that you can, the thing that's really nice about talking with you is I love how you can bring this down into in, into a very complex situ, uh, topic, into something that we can understand. And I appreciate and thank you for helping us today. Uh, my pleasure, David. And uh, thank you for the work you're doing. <laughs> I, I mean, with, with people like yourself today, this is such an interesting conversation. And I think of things in life and, and I see people. It's, it's so, so great to be able to talk to you about it. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back again next week with another interesting guest on the Faces of Business. Like I said, reach out to Phil, Phil Johnson on LinkedIn and connect with him if you want to learn more from him. And we'll be back again. Have a great evening.